Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa. Welcome to another holiday edition of We'll See You in Hell. This podcast is part of the Fangoria. I'm jingling my keys like Jingle Bells. <laughs> Doesn't sound good. <laughs> Sounds terrible. Yeah. Uh, this is a part of the uh, Fangoria Podcast Network. For more information about the network, including other programs and how to follow this show and find past episodes, we'll see you in hell. Please visit Fangoria.com. Now on with the show. Ho, ho, ho. It's another Christmas movie today. We do Black Christmas. This is Joe DeRosa. And I'm Patrick Walsh. Hi, gang. Joe, your your heart really wasn't in that intro. It wasn't? It just sounded just like, like you were done. I thought it sounded okay. It wasn't Mary. I know that much. <laughs> but it was Mary. What? I don't know. I got nothing, Pat. What do you want from me? I'm in a, some sort of a whiskey haze right now. I've been drinking ever since work ended last week. That's what people do. That's what yeah. the holidays are all about. It's not going to slow down at Christmas either. Yeah. I had to struggle right now not to crack a whiskey open at 1230 in the afternoon. <laughs> Why don't you? Because I got to do a show tonight um, where I, uh, I have a show tonight where I sing uh, the, the goddamn comedy jam, which is a really fun show here in L.A. And you do a set, then you sing a song. And the song I'm singing is Spirit of Radio by Rush. Okay. So I got to keep these chords with loosey-goosey today. Like a karaoke version? Well, no, with a live band. Oh, okay. And they really uh, nail it, so I want to I bring it on my end. Because how does Spirit of Radio go? I know the vocals are the incredibly annoying. I know that much because Begin it's a Rush song. The day with a friendly voice. Oh, yeah. And imagine all right don't blow it yeah but there that sounds pretty good the only one i really know is closer to the heart <laughs> that's a great one yeah that's their big hit that's sort of their well that's not their big hit <laughs> it is an amateur rush listener would assume such thing that that's what makes it their big hit whatever the amateur listener knows that means it's your big tom hit. sawyer is a bigger hit than closer tom to the sawyer heart. is a good song limelight i would argue is a bigger hit been closer to the heart. Well, we could look in the charts. And I the think charts, you're wrong. The charts don't lie, bud. Closer to the charts. Hey, how about that? Uh, That's why, see? A lot of my friends in Missouri were deep into Rush when I was in like high school, and I just never got into it. Who, 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 I mean, I love it so much. They'd be like, just listen to this one song, and then like three hours later, they'd be like, this is the same song. You're still listening to the same song. <laughs> The, uh, I'm actually going to tell this story tonight at the show, but um, my friend Mike Robinson, who was a stand-up comic for some time, we started out together, he once described Rush as music that you do your calculus homework to. Yeah, that's about And right. I was like, that's the, that's a perfect setup. That's a perfect description of Rush. So I called him the other day and said, like, hey, man, I'm doing this show. Uh, where I have to sing a Rush song, can I, can I, can I say that? I'll give you credit for it, but you right. know it's just such a great description. And he was like, "Yeah, of course you can say it." And then he said, uh, "You know, man, it's weird. Did uh, do you actually like Rush? In all these years, I've never asked you that." And I go, "I fucking love Rush." And he goes, "And we're done here. <laughs> yeah, ready to end a he's about right ten year friendship over it." 
I mean, I'm not going to go that far, but I, I couldn't go to a concert. I would go to a concert if I had free tickets. They're amazing. I've seen them live. They're one of the greats. That's They're a, one of the greats. I have all kinds of games that, that I like to play, like on a long drive, and one of them is Would You See X, Artist X. Not uh, the Band X. Not the, I would always see X. I love Band X. Yeah. Would You See Artist X, Y, uh, Z, if you were given free tickets? Because, like, free tickets really changes the playing field. So, you, like, in Vegas, I was like, would I go see Celine Dion no. for free? No. No. Would I see Britney Spears? Yeah. And I did. And it was free? No, I paid for it. It was for my girlfriend. All right, let's fire it up. Black Christmas. Black Christmas. Uh, I've never seen this or the remake. The remake is shit. This is the original. Karen classic. Allen. Uh, I think Karen Allen's in this. Uh, Karen Allen might be my all-time number one that I would marry, other than Holly Hunter. Car- Indiana Jones, Karen Allen's your number one of all time. Scrooged. If you're talking about like a wife, I'm not talking about like. Yeah, she's lovely. Who'd you most want to? You she's know, a- Karen. It's either Karen Allen too. or Margot Kidder in this. I can't remember which one oh. it is. She went insane, Margot Kidder. I always get them two, those two mixed up. Anyway, it's Black Christmas. Get your, it's DVD this week, guys, because we didn't have uh, there was no Christmas shit on Netflix again. And we wanted to do a real Christmas movie, so we did have Santa Paws. <clears throat> That's not a horror movie, or is it? <laughs> it should be. Uh, so get your Black Christmas ready. If you got the DVD, pause us now and get it all set up. And uh, let's count off this play thing. We're on the home screen now of the DVD. Uh, get your play highlighted. Here we go. One, two, three, play. And it's booting. Film funding in association with Vision 4 presents. Am I correct that this was directed by Bob Clark? I've done zero research. I believe it was. Director of Porky's and A Christmas Story. Uh, I believe it was, actually, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, here's a, a a bit of interesting uh, uh, movie trivia. Oh, I'll be the judge. Uh, oh, it's Margot, it Margot Kidder. Kidder. I thought so. I didn't think it was Karen Allen. From Superman. Uh, the star of this film, uh, whose name they just showed, and now I already forget it. Oh, Andrea Martin from SCTV. I like that. Yeah, she's in this. And she's hilarious. Yeah, and... I never uh, John Saxon. There you go. Okay. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street fame. Um, anyway, the 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 one of the girls in this movie um, was also in Romeo and Juliet. She said she met Steve Martin once. He said, uh, "You're in one of my favorite movies of all time." She thought he was going to say Romeo and Juliet. He said Black Christmas. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's a quality film. This is a really. This is not a cheesy, hack and slash, goofy Christmas film. This is a dark. Slasher movie that just happens to take place at Christmas. Well, Bob I I Clark watching it with you yammering in my ear. Well, maybe if you took this podcast more seriously, <laughs> you would have watched it before. Well, we were supposed to be doing Jack Frost, which I have seen <laughs> and would have been very well versed in, but we don't have it. Jack Frost, not the Michael Keaton version, which is just as bad as the horror version. It's it's just terrible, just as frightening. Yeah, it's really really an awful movie. Michael Keaton dies and comes back to life as a snowman and then it's like mrs doubtfire but with a snowman right they were like mrs doubtfire wasn't quite unbelievable enough let's push (laughs) it a little further now is there a scene 
where Michael Keaton has to run back and forth between being Michael Keaton and dressing up as a snowman. Yes. Like in Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. And he throws a, a piece of charcoal at the back of Pierce Brosnan's head. He does? As it was a run by coaling. Oh, that's right. A run by fruiting. Yeah, Is that geez. what's... Mrs. Doubtfire... I don't know. Maybe it's just because I saw it when I was 13, but I watch it now, and I'm like, yeah, this is still great, but I don't know if it is. Have never liked it. Like, if it came out today and I went to see it, I, I just don't know. I never liked the film. Uh, I was about 15 when it came out. Yeah. I, I don't agree with people that it's hilarious. I don't agree with people that it's a classic. I mean, I, it's a classic I, by money standards yeah. and popularity it's standards. It's got some laughs. I believe the writer of it follows me on Twitter. Um, Not a fan. Well, I mean, I don't know what else she wrote. I might be a fan of him. She's a woman, Joe. Interesting. You know? Interesting that you couldn't wrap your mind around a woman writing a screenplay. Oh, it's a woman. Yeah. Is it, or is it, is the question. Um, and she was at that uh, 100 Greatest Comedies, or 100 Funniest Movies, because it was on even You didn't jump on that bit? I didn't hear you. You said she's a woman who wrote Mrs. Doubtfire. I said, or is she? Or is she? I got, okay, Come okay. on. All right. Uh, I was telling Joe in the horror version of Jack Frost, which I somehow saw when I there's Gene Shalit, somehow <laughs> saw when I was 13 years old. Uh, the snowman, and this is not a joke, rapes a woman with a carrot, right. and when he takes the carrot out of her, it is steaming. Yeah, that's I like that a lot. Not like, the rape part; the steaming part is funny to me. I mean, can you imagine being on set for that? Uh, now, I believe the director and writer were going for a social commentary on the Bill Clinton Lewinsky cigar scandal. At that, that could point. be. There's mm -hmm. a lot of political commentary in Jack Frost. Is Jack Frost a comedy? Like a dark? Is it supposed to be silly? No, it's part of that. It was like a string of holiday themed horror movies that had like um, holograms on the cover. Uncle Sam wants you dead. Yeah, that's one of my favorite tagline ever, probably. Um, Jack Frost. They, they did a that's series. Uncle of them. Sam. That's we talked about that during Maniac Cop. It's the same director. We did. Um, also, before I forget, for you, uh, we'll see you in hell, heads. My buddy Jeremy Murley, a lifelong friend, texted me this morning, and he listened to the Gremlins episode, and he said he he believes that him and I saw the Choose Your Own Adventure movie together uh -huh. with Christopher Lloyd, and he says. That it was film converted to video. They played it on a laser disc player. They did tabulate the amount of votes that each one got, and that's what selected the next chapter that you would watch on the okay, okay. laser disc. So All I thought right. that if anyone cared, not a single person asked me about it, <laughs> and I thought maybe a lot of people would remember this, and I guess no one did. But that's I'm what he said. glad you brought it up again because I don't have. It's not yet out of my system doing the impression of Christopher Lloyd. Telling the audience he needs their help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to do more of that. Yeah. Now we need everybody to come together. <laughs> the story's in your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Only you can predict the outcome. <laughs> it's, it's just, it just sounds so bad. When you see Chris Floyd interviewed now, he only talks about like wanting to get back to like the theater. Like, he's a little pretentious. He seems like a cool guy, but he seems a little like he's he's above film. And well, I mean, maybe that's an odd thing for the star of Piranha 3D to say. Piranha. I've never quite heard it pronounced Piranha. like that. Piranha. 
Well, I mean, maybe he just wants to do theater again. I mean, what's pretentious about that? Does he say film is a lower medium? They're just like they're asking him about in the Back of the Future documentary, and he's like, "Oh, you know, I never wanted to return to to Doc Brown. My heart at the time was on the stage. I understand people liked it, but I thought, eh, well, why do you like it? It's just a lark. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not a quote, but it's just a that was lark. the gist. What kind of theater does he want to do specifically is the real question. I don't know. Like Shakespeare? Oh, God. I mean, I'd, I'd rather hang myself. You know, I feel the exact same way, and I know writers aren't supposed to say that. But I don't give a shit. I went to a fucking Shakespeare in the Park three years ago, something like that. I, and it was in a, bri- a heavily abridged version. If somebody had come up to me with a gun, like hour two, I would have killed myself. It's just the... It's so boring. They, it just doesn't apply to today. Yes, the story tools are still used, and yes, that's great. It's very innovative. It doesn't mean i got to sit there and listen to this shit. And the people with the smug laughs. Oh, dude, go like, fuck yourself. <laughs> go fuck yourself. Like, hey, everyone, I, I get what the, what's being said. I understand these words that you don't. <laughs> yeah, it's it couldn't be further removed from anything I give a shit about. No. It's like... Hey, let's go see this play. It takes place in a time period you're unfamiliar with, uh, a culture you don't care about, yeah. uh, a language you can't understand, and, oh, also, it's a three-hour poem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you. I don't care. No. I tried, man. I tried watching. The, I, I mean, I figured the Mel Gibson version of Hamlet was probably... As watered down as I was going to get Shakespeare-wise, outside of the Romeo and Juliet with, with John Leguizamo, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah, which every girl age twenty to thirty-five is crazily obsessed with. Yeah, I tried. I, I think tried that hit both. them all in like a time either. when their loins were starting to quiver. Yeah, I didn't care for either film, but the. Uh, this is uh do you do you hear this going on? Let's get to the is film. Is he saying let me lick your pussy? Yeah, this guy is really it's a really creepy uh these calls are really creepy in the film. The serial Did I just killer is there a C bomb? I believe so. Good lord. The uh the serial killer in this film prank calls the women. Uh you know who he sounds like is uh Scream. Yeah. He does sound like Scream, except you know that killer is in the movie Scream whose name was Jack Scream. Was his name Jack Scream? Come on, Joe. I don't know. You know, I didn't. I didn't. You know, I we do jokes on one. this podcast, right? Sorry, sorry. As I said, it's been steady and really the uh, the character's name was Jack Scream. <sighs> I don't know. Ghostface, that's his name. Yeah, Ghostface. I forgot Killer. for a second. Is that where Ghostface Killer got his name? Uh, we discussed this on the podcast, and the answer is no. I think it was probably the other way around. They named the Scream Killer after Ghostface Killer the Rapper. Um, I don't know. I I know he has a ghost face, and they probably started calling him that on set. Right. Wu-Tang was out in 93, I think. Yeah, it's a good Scream's point. Scream's 96. That's a good point. Thank so, you. anyway, the killer Extra. in this film makes very disturbing phone calls. Much more disturbing Clearly. than the ones in Scream. And it's a lot of heavy breathing. It's a lot of like, heh, 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 heh. You know, yeah. like noises like that, a lot of like really perverted stuff he says to them. Right. It's a pretty rough flick. It's dark. It's dark stuff. Nudity? Uh, I can't remember. Probably. I haven't seen this one in a while. It's strange that Black Christmas 
which is, you know, a slasher movie, and I assume we're about to see plenty of boobs. Uh, and then Porky's, which has just a shocking amount of nudity, full frontal nudity. And then they're like, hey, do you want to direct a Christmas story? Like that a year later. Well, hold on. Let me look up old, what's his name, Bob Clark? Bob Clark. He also, speaking of Christopher Lloyd, directed a little film called Baby Geniuses, which ran him out of Hollywood. It's weird that that's, that's what did him in. He was just trying to make a nice movie for people. About babies who are geniuses. Yeah. Guy tries to do something decent and he gets run out of town. I never really understood that. Baby Geniuses makes no money, is widely considered one of the worst movies of all time, for real. And then they made Baby Geniuses 2. How do these things happen? Do they just have a lot of babies sitting around on set that can talk? I mean, it must have made money. Kim Cattrall was also in Baby Geniuses, by the way. Kim Cattrall is also in Porky's Full Frontal as well. Really? She's the woman who, like, barks when she orgasms. Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2 was his second to last movie. Do you want to know what his last movie was? I do. The Karate Dog. (laughs) Oh, Bob. (laughs) Bobby. Uh, before that, Hale, a young Haley Joel Osment appeared in I'll Remember April. Uh, Catch a Falling Star. Can you imagine you're at a dinner party? You know, I assume Bob Clark has some nice friends, well-to-do friends. I'm like, Bob, what are you working on, buddy? Um, currently directing, uh, The Karate Dog. <laughs> like, come on. Well, here's He some, didn't deserve that. He's he, a good director. He directed From the Hip with Judd, uh, Nelson. Ooh. That's not a good movie either. Uh, Loose Cannons, Hackman and Aykroyd. Saw it. Was ha- it? Gene Hackman and Dan Aykroyd were in a movie together. Folks. Was it bad? It's not good. Oh, Ooh. boy. Uh, Rhinestone. Oh, this guy. He did Porky's 2 also, right? He did Porky's 2 the next day right. after A Christmas Story. Same year, it looks like. Uh, Rhinestone is Dolly Parton sliced alone. Yeah. Oh, Death Dream. I actually own this movie, and I haven't watched it yet. It just seems like it could have been a little choosier, you know? Yeah, but I remember I bought Death Dream right after I saw Black Christmas, and said like I'm I'm game to see whatever this what what else this guy did, and that's as far as I got. I didn't keep scrolling up yeah. to see all the other things. It's weird now that that movie like, and I think the same thing about Jeremiah Chichik who was a commercial director whose first movie was National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Bob Clark directs Christmas Story. These movies now are like everyone's favorite Christmas movie. Every home is watching them at least once every single year. How do they not get back in the movie game? Well, Bob Clark died. So that's why he's not back in the game. Yeah, he died in 2007, unfortunately. And old Chichik, I mean, he did Benny and June, and I don't know if he ever directed again. I love Benny and June when I was a kid. Um, what's Benny and June about again? I always mix that up with Gilbert Grape. It's John Depp. You might know him as Johnny. Right. Uh, and Mary Stuart Masterson. And he's like a disturbed, it's a very weird premise. (laughs) Or she's disturbed and he's like, he's obsessed with Charlie Chaplin. I remember that. I don't know why I like the movie so much, uh, but I remember it being a really good romantic comedy. And... What's the one you mix it up with? What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Oh, well, that's my favorite book and a fantastic movie. But Johnny Depp's also in and that. And Juliette Lewis, who was at For some reason, I think home. I always picture 
Johnny Depp with Leonardo DiCaprio doing that roll thing, the Chaplin roll dance. Yeah. But that's not. It's it's no. the other movie. And DiCaprio is the handicapped kid and Gilbert Grape. Your boy Chichik is still in the game. He's directing a lot of television. Oh, good. Any big shows? Uh, that's where they go now. Rogue, TV. South of Hell, Criminal Minds, you know. All right. These are your mainstream fare. Heart you, of Chief. Dixie, Chuck. Chuck. Uh, the Glades. Yeah, he did a lot at Warehouse 13. Yeah, he's. All right, I'm glad to hear him. Burn Notice, eight episodes. Gossip Girl. I mentioned uh, Juliette Lewis. I haven't shared the story on the podcast. I had a uh, birthday housewarming party about a year ago. And I say it's going to start at 8 o'clock, but you assume nobody will show up till 9, 9.30. Sure. So I got a bar and a bartender, and I'm getting everything set up, and my girlfriend's still, like, getting dressed and stuff. And the doorbell rings, and I'm like, ah, oh, geez, which one of my nerd friends showed up at 8 sharp? And I open the door, and I'm face-to-face with Academy Award-nominated actress <laughs> Juliette Lewis, <laughs> who, no shit, and I am not just saying this because she came to my home, has always been one of my very favorite actresses, and I'll see anything she does. And I love her. Always have. been. Like, I've had a weird kind of creepy thing for her back in the Christmas vacation days, also in the uh, Cape Fear days, of course. She's just standing there. I, I didn't know what was happening. There was no even, like, alcohol out. I was mortified. And I realized she's dating a buddy of mine who was there early. So I'm like... Hey, guys, uh, come on in. There's not a single person here. And they were both kind of like a little awkward. I give them the tour of the house. It's fine. Juliette Lewis makes a beeline for this Martin Scorsese book I have and opens it to Cape Fear, a movie that she was in. Right. Yeah. So she's sitting on the couch, like reading about Cape Fear. um, And I just thought that was kind of nuts (laughs) that she walks into someone's home and is like, ooh, there's something about me here. Not that she's a narcissist or something. I don't know. Most actors are. That's kind of weird, though. Um, but I was like, yeah, that's a little weird. So cut to 10 drinks and three hours later, and there's a lot of people at my house, and it's really loud and busy. And some buddies of mine are over, and we're standing at the top of the staircase. And I start saying to them, I go, hey, uh, it's the craziest thing, but Juliette Lewis was here earlier. They're like, oh, my God, that's crazy. I go, yeah, she came in, she made a beeline for this book, opened it to Cape Fear. Uh, And they all kind of laugh. And I was like, can you believe that? Walks right in and opens it to a movie she was in. And then coming from a bathroom downstairs, where I didn't think anyone was, is Juliette Lewis. And she goes, oh, you guys are talking about me? Oh, boy. Now, how high and paranoid are you at this point? I'm high and drunk. Uh, I tell you, it was... Really rough. And my friends kind of laughed. And here was my cover, which I think went over. But I said, no, 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 I wasn't talking about you. And then it kind of hung in the air like, well, who the hell else would you be talking about? And I said, no, John here, my friend John. Right. His daughter, when she was at the house, daughter's never been to my house, went right for the book and was reading about all this violent shit. Right. And that's what we were talking about. And she goes, oh, okay. She seemed totally fine with it. She knew we were. I was lying, I think. Why I would even attempt such a desperate lie, I don't know. This is what I would have done. I would have said, no, 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 no. I, 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 I was talking about the time Julia <laughs> Roberts was here. That's what I would have done. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was pretty bad, but I, she's she was a cool lady. She was delightful. I immediately like was like, is the music cool enough? Like When she walked in, I was like, do I need to put on cooler music? Do I need to do this? 
It's, it's very nerve-wracking. What did she say? Um, no, I didn't ask her. I was thinking these things in my oh, head. Oh, wow. I like thought you were asking freak. her. paranoid freak. You should have asked her. That would have been a good little conversation piece. Yeah. That was, honestly, what, for me, when the first time I ever had a birthday party at a dive bar here in L.A., uh, and uh, old Rob McElhaney from It's Always Sunny showed up. Yeah. I was just texting with him. He showed up with two uh, the, the Churnin' Boys, two of my writer's friends that write yeah. on the show, and sure. and my buddy Bill Burr, and I saw the Churnins, and I was like, hey, you guys made it. And then I saw Bill, and I was like, hey, you guys made it. And then I turned, and there was a guy, and he's like, hi, I'm Rob. Yeah. And I was literally shaking. I was so <laughs> excited to meet him because I love the show so much. He's kind of like when you met me, uh, a former writer for the show. You you felt the same way, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's, except without the shaking or excitement. <laughs> well, he's very different. I mean, like he he he's a uh, he look you right in the eye. He gives you a firm handshake. That's always a real uh, kind of trigger for me. And if I may, very uncomfortable. If I may say so, exquisitely handsome man in real sure. life. Well, he looks like handsome Haley Joel Osment. Yeah, he's a good looking kid. Yeah. The. Uh, and turned out we had a uh, we had a mutual close friend, okay. a guy that I grew up with that he ended up going to high school with and was good friends with, and we talked all about it. Uh, our mutual friend Bill Graham, okay, and uh, we had a lot to bond on. It was very nice. Yeah, good guy. And then he left, and that was it. Didn't embarrass myself with some insulting story about him at the top of the stairs. <laughs> Just appreciated his presence. I did make her laugh though. We what we were in my bedroom. And I was whoa! I, I was like, "Don't say this is where the magic happens. Don't say this is where the magic happens. Don't say this is where the magic happens." And then her boyfriend goes, "I guess this is where the magic happens." And I was like, "Okay, you took that one. I should have said it because she laughed." And then I go, "Yeah." She goes, "Your bed's the perfect height, by the way." Just so you know, and like patted the bed. She's like, "Your bed's a perfect height." What the hell does that mean? I don't know, that's, Joe. That's whore talk, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. No, and I said. Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, if you like that, let me just drop another nugget on you. She's a Tempur-Pedic. <laughs> and she laughed. And I <laughs> came in my pants. <laughs> Look, it was it's hard. It's hard to be funny when you're sweating as much as I was sweating. I hear you. Look, I bombed once in front of Inspector Deck from Wu-Tang Clan. Sure. And he left. Sure. Left the show. <laughs> uh, which, that hurt. But yeah. now he follows me, uh, and we follow each other on Twitter. And, Deck, if you're listening, I'd like to say you're my favorite of the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. I mean that sincerely. We've come a long way. Maybe one day we'll meet. Uh, McElhenney always talks about he was the cast as the lead in Tigerland, which was the movie that completely broke Colin Farrell. Uh-huh. And he got the role, and it was, like, the part every young actor wanted, and then, like, Two days before shooting, they were like, we found this guy, Colin Farrell, and he's going to play the part. So he was oh. devastated. Then he gets cast in Wonder Boys as Katie Holmes' boyfriend, which uh -huh. was like the fourth lead of the movie or something. And if you've seen Wonder Boys, which is a great movie with Michael Douglas, you'll know there's no Katie Holmes' boyfriend character because he goes to the premiere of this thing, and they completely cut out his like 45-page story. Completely <sighs> cut out of the movie. And that's what got us Always Sunny, basically, because he's like, I, I, I'm not getting in there as an actor. i got to do it on my own. Oh very my inspiring God. tale. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's a very heartbreaking story. Well, until you realize that he's created a show that's been on the air for 12 years and is about to direct a major motion picture. Ooh, what's he directing? Are you allowed to talk about it? He It was announced in the trades. He came up with, like, an E.T.-style story, like an, a, a family adventure 
uh-huh. that he's going to direct, and it's like a massive budget, and yeah, pretty exciting. That's great. Or, you know, certainly a bigger budget than Always Sunny. Congrats to Rob McElwain. Congrats as always. Now, can we call him a friend of the podcast since you're friends with him? <laughs> I, I know he's never listened to it, but yeah, we can call him that. Uh, I'm a huge fan of that show. I just watched the Christmas special yesterday. I was uh, a writer there at that time. I watch it every Christmas. It's pretty good. Lamborghini Countach. Yeah, it's it's the best. Uh, he and uh, he and Dennis really. I mean, everybody hits a home run in that in that episode. But he and Dennis. Well, nice Devito shined particularly. The couch is pretty spectacular. Also, Devito's choice to make grunt noises in almost every scene. <laughs> Like when he's trying to get out of the Countach, yeah. he's just going, oh, 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 oh. and then he does it again when the when they put the fog in. He thinks it's the when right. they're going to do the ghost right. thing, and he thinks it's a fire. Yeah, I remember shooting that because uh, they had Huddleston, who was the actual Lebowski. Yeah, I know. But they shot that thing where they blasted him back with the the power of wind or whatever. The snow machine, crazy yeah. shot. They did it in like slow motion, so they had to keep doing it over and over. Uh, Dennis goes over in a way where it's like, how did he not just break his neck? Yeah, it looked pretty painful to me. Yeah. Is there a Whoa. story here? Yeah, what? this chick's going to get an abortion. That was kind of a big thing in these movies. Like Caddyshack has that whole abortion subplot. Yeah. Well, you know, these women needed to be more careful back then. <laughs> Caddyshack, <didn't>... man... <laughs> How they, I guess they thought they needed to target the fucking youth market, but man, when they cut back to Danny and his girlfriend, it's it's just death. <laughs> it's just death. For a movie to be that funny and then also just not realize that no one gave a shit about that story. There is just zero. I forgot it was even a story in the movie until yeah. you just said it. Wait a minute. Is there a David Huddleston story here? No, he was on set. That, that's it? I don't have a story. He was nice. He seemed uh, kind of with it. He was in Blazing Saddles as well. Kind of with. Uh, was he a little out of it? Well, kind of with it would imply kind of not with it. But he was. He was doing all right. He's probably seventy-five years old. Oh, good. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, good. I think he's very funny in that episode. Sure, me too. I like at the end in the graveyard where De- Dennis is like, "You are useless. You uh-huh. bring nothing to the table." <laughs> uh-huh. Just screaming at him because he's not. He's not grasping the idea of playing a ghost in their, (laughs) like, play. Right. Great show. It is. Uh, I love it. I really do love it. Folks, welcome back to this commentary on (laughs) It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. (laughs) Look at that shot right there. I don't think we've we've ever talked about a movie less than this one. That's you say that almost every week. I really do. And uh, the Leprechaun was the least we've talked about anything. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, Black Christmas. It's a great. It it truly is a film. I I you know I think there's a difference between a movie and a film, and I think this is truly a film. Uh, and I think this is a very well done film. Uh, that being said, it is a slasher movie, so it's a little. You know, there's a little less need to pay attention to every detail. We kind of know what's going to go down here. Girls are going to get murdered. There's going to be a little loose tit shown. Well, this girl's already in the robe. Like, she should have been putting it on as she came downstairs. This is the girl from Romeo and Juliet. I forget her name. I mean, Olivia Hussey. Strikingly beautiful. What else was she in? Uh, My bedroom. (laughs) Oh. Olivia Hussey. I told her, you know, that I last a... name is one letter off for being a perfect word. <laughs> oh, why not just go with Hussey like a slut? 
his pussy I was doing. I, I was no, doing I know. Pussy thing. We, this is why we uh, we don't have girls with us here. We have a dog sitting between us. Yeah, but the dog is sucking our dick. <laughs> both of our dicks. Yeah. We can both fit our dicks into a dog's mouth. Why dog? <laughs> um, Joe... I wanted to ask you, did you finish watching Trumbo, which I consider one of the worst movies of the year? Couldn't get through it. And it was sent to me as an Academy Awards for my consideration. Couldn't get through it. Got about 30 minutes, 35 minutes in. Couldn't it's get so it. bad, folks, and it's gotten really good reviews. I don't understand. Every I, character that walks in announces their name and occupation. That's how lazy it is. Did I already talk about this on here? Yeah, I don't remember. They'll but, be like, hi, I'm Otto Preminger, the film director. Is how a character will enter a scene. Listen, the thing that bothered me most, and I said this to my friend that I was watching it with, I go, this is, the dialogue in this is written like it's a movie from the 50s and yeah. not a movie that takes place in the 50s. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's it, really cool. This is where we shut it off. Uh, the, uh, the, his daughter goes, Daddy, are you a communist? And the girl, uh, my friend, she yelled, I can't take it, turn it off. Yeah. That was the breaking point. Yeah. And then they did the thing. I hate when movies do this. You got a guy playing John Wayne. Terrible. You got a guy playing Otto Preminger. Yeah. You got a guy playing Dalton Trumbo. Don't then splice in real footage of <laughs> Ronald Reagan. Get a guy to play Ronald Reagan. Pick what you're going to do. Exactly. Yeah. Then they also had like, uh, well, Kirk Douglas. You didn't even get to Kirk Douglas. But he comes in, and I th I'm pretty sure they were switching back and forth between actual Douglas footage and the actor. <laughs> that was a real botched job. Then you got John Goodman comes in screaming about how much pussy he gets. And you're like, what movie am I watching now? What What is his role in it? He's playing his exact same Argo character. I think they used the same set, the same like office with movie posters that he was in in Argo. Right. I think they just rolled over the same set. And he is playing, that's the one part I liked, actually. He plays like a Roger Corman type who hires Trumbo, and he's like, look, man, if you can make you can make as many movies as you want for us as long as they're cheap. So then he keeps giving him scripts, and Goodman's like, nah, he needs more tits, needs more this, needs more that. And then he winds up asking if he can write like a really great small-budget movie for them, and it winds up becoming an Oscar thing. That stuff that's is cool. That's Johnny Got His Gun. Uh, no, it's, I don't remember what it was. Because he wrote and directed that film. It was something about a boy. Was it about it a boy? It was about a boy, the Hugh Grant <laughs> Um Way ahead of its time. We also, what other screeners did we watch for the big Oscar movies? We watched uh, Carol, which was a 50s set lesbian love story that I very much enjoyed. Uh, we almost went for Carol, but we went for Trumbo instead. Carol's watched... a slow burn. It's, a, it's just like a perfect looking movie. Like every shot looks like. It looks like your screensaver here, actually. Like, it looks like a Norman Rockwell, like, 50s Very nice. Uh, magazine cover. It's really great. I peeped uh, that Spotlight film. I really like Spotlight. It was terrific. I said, uh, if Mark Ruffalo doesn't get nominated for an Academy Award, there's no justice in this world. Well, he should have won for Foxcatcher. As good he as he is have. in Spotlight, he was better in Foxcatcher. He's, he's doing a w slightly different version of the same character. I think he's better in Spotlight. All right, well, let's fight about it. I mean, it, down to this the weird way he speaks in it. Yeah, every part of it. It's like, yeah, th this I, this guy is, I know this guy. This is yeah. like the anxious guy that I know. Yeah, that's how he was in a, 
You Can Count on Me, which I think oh. he got nominated for. He was incredible in that movie. Incredible. They were calling him the next Brando. Yeah. I wouldn't argue it. He just kind of keeps on acting. He's in like three movies a year. Some are good, some are bad. It's great. It always made me mad in uh, in uh, The Kids Are Alright that he gets the, the sort of shit end of the stick at the end of the movie. What happens to him? I forget. Well, it's about... Uh, it's Who plays the couple in it? Julia... Julianne Moore and Moore Annette Benning. And Annette Benning, And then Julianne Moore has the affair with Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. But then she kind of gets forgiven and he just gets, like, ostracized. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of always bummed me out. I, I felt like it was confusing for everybody. I'm sure he's fine. That's the only movie I remember them, like, trying to sell Ruffalo as, like, a heartthrob. Kind of stopped doing that. Well, he's a sexy man. All right, Joe. Good-looking guy. Yeah. I think. I agree. You're going to come on here and kick the guy down. Uh, uh, right. Tried watching Phantom Menace the other night. I got about 10 minutes in. Uh, I prefer Phantom Men to Attack of the Seas. Ooh, that's rough. Uh, I like Attack of the Clones. I like from, from the point in Attack of the Clones where he kills the sand people on, I really enjoy. The first half has got some difficult stuff for me in it. Uh, I like the Django Fett scenes. Uh, Phantom Menace to me looks a little more like an actual Star Wars movie. It's not too carried away yet with the CGI. Right. But I enjoy that whole opening sequence where the Jedi have to bust out of the Trade Federation planet and, or ship, I mean, and I like when they go down into the underwater city and, uh, I like the lightsaber battle at the end very much. Okay. Pod race is pretty cool. I'll, I'm still going to watch them before, somehow before, uh. This weekend, when the movie comes out. I don't need to watch them again. I've seen those movies. I saw each one seven times in the theater. Oh, the the prequels. Yeah. Holy shit, Joe. And Crystal Skull, seven times. I don't even know what to say. Folks, Joe got in a fight with some guy the other night about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That was one of the more heated arguments I've ever witnessed up close and personal. <laughs> and I saw both sides. He was being a complete jackass about it. He was being very smug and annoying. He was, right? And he's also like, won't... All your point was, which I completely agree with, Joe, was like, yeah, it's not perfect. Yeah, there's stupid shit in it. But you can't say it's one of the worst movies ever made. And he's like, no. I think it's the worst movie ever made. It is. It's the worst movie it's ever made. Absurd thing. And I've he wouldn't back down on it. stage. Come on. Huh? It was really obnoxious. I have a bit of, and then he left stage. seconds after the argument. I think it kind of drove him to leave. He and he. Well, the part that was driving me nuts was he kept saying, "Bill warned me about bringing this up with you." So why would he do it's it? Like, well, then why did you bring it up? Yeah, you know, I'm seven whiskeys in. <laughs> you know, it's like bringing up my parents' divorce. Or <laughs> my parents aren't divorced. I'm just saying, right. for example, right. You know, how do you want me to react to this? Yeah, I, that really bothers me. I have, I, have a, I have a joke in my act about how people, it's called Defending George Lucas, and it's about how people say Phantom Menace and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Crystal Skull are the worst movies they've ever seen. It's such an absurd premise. Right. It's so insanely absurd. And pa his Paulie Shore's got like eight movies under his belt easily, and right. you're going you're gonna to say those are technically better? It's fucking ridiculous. Son-in-law isn't bad. But I think... <laughs> Like, what he was trying to say and not saying well was, like, because the other movies are so great, the fourth one has to be 
way better than your average movie. It's just a stupid argument. And yeah, it's stupid. not stupid. It's not really a great argument. That's that classic nerd. And I hated Crystal Skull. That's that classic nerd argument. My friend Jared always Jared doesn't my friend Jared doesn't like the movie, but Logan? Yeah, but yeah. he always talks about how like it's a good point. He talks about like the nerd argument where he's like he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Was the movie not what you had in your head?" Right. You know, and it's like yeah. that to me is like what it is with that movie. It's just like it's like, "Oh, it wasn't made the way you thought it needed to be made." Like yeah. Okay. You know, I just bought the uh, sequel to The Dark Knight Returns, Frank Miller's classic graphic novel, The Dark Knight Returns. The third okay. one is the first issue of the third part of the trilogy was just released. So I said, I, you know, I never read the second one because it got such bad reviews and everybody said it sucked so bad. And then I was talking to my friend the other day and he's like, he goes, it's good, man. It's not the first one, but it's good. It's worth reading. There's cool stuff. And I was yeah. like, you know what? This is exactly what happens. People are like, oh, not, it, it needs to be lightning in a bottle again. Shut up. Yeah. You go write something. Yeah, people will do that. To, you know, they'll be like, why would you watch, like we always bring up Norbit. Why would you sit and watch Norbit? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, because I'd like to decide if I think something's good or bad on my own. Norbit has a lot bigger laughs or more laughs than most comedies, unfortunately. I love Norbit. It's I watched the fucking ridiculous hilarious. Six. Yeah, I mean it's not it's racist, certainly. I watched the uh, ridiculous six this weekend, the Adam Sandler movie, and everyone's like, same thing, worst movie ever. Adam Sandler is is murdering comedy, worst film of all time. And all I ever do every time is I'm like, okay, there's 25 people in this movie that I think are funny, and Adam Sandler has been in some really funny movies a long time ago. But I'm going to sit down and watch this. It's got Norm MacDonald. It's got Nick Nolte. It's got David Spade. How's my man it's Norm MacDonald? It's got Steve there? Zahn. It's got Will Forte. How's Will? How's it's Norm got Mac- John Turturro. How's Norm MacDonald? Steve Buscemi. Is he funny? Norm has two lines, unfortunately. How's Will Forte funny? Buscemi's really funny. Uh, Will Forte's really funny. Swarsden's funny in it. Okay, There's, I love Swarsden. I'm not slapping my knee, folks. And it's two hours, which was way too long. But there's a scene, like John Turturro plays the guy who's inventing baseball. And it's really, a really, really, if it was a UCB sketch, people would be jizzing all over it or an SNL sketch. Right. John Turturro, it has nothing to do with the movie. He's creating baseball, and basically he keeps changing the rules to suit him. So he says there's two strikes apiece. So then Sandler pitches, and he gets two by him. Turturro's like, all right, just one more pitch then. He goes, no, you said it was two strikes. He goes, I didn't. I invented the game, and I said it's three strikes. And he just keeps changing the rules. So he's like, he'll steal a base. And they're like, but you said you can't run unless the ball's hit. And he's like, unless you're stealing a base. And he just keeps changing the rules. And it's a that scene I was laughing, and it's a really, really funny scene. Um. And that's how you have to look at it. There's terrible stuff in it. There's a donkey who sprays projectile diarrhea out of his ass four or five times in the movie. Okay. You know, that joke maybe isn't for you. That joke's for your kids. Kids like Adam Sandler, too. And kids are going to die at a donkey spraying diarrhea. Well, any kid that didn't, I wouldn't trust him. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't trust him. Now, here's one issue I did have with it, and people are claiming it's a little racist. There's a little dodgy stuff in it. Most notably, Rob Schneider in light brown face is playing a Mexican character who mentions several times throughout the movie 
that he dreams of someday finding a taco tree. <laughs> that's a little problematic. Nah, folks. Nobody steps in <laughs> and says that's not a good idea. However, oh, on boy. the whole, am I glad I watched it? I don't even know. I'm not glad I spent two <laughs> hours on it. All I'm saying is I'm trying to make the point that is not the worst movie of all time, folks. You can't say that. And there are worse comedies that come out every day. Also, this argument of anybody, any one person is able to ruin comedy. Yeah, exactly. Is It's an absurd statement. You're, do, you're ruining comedy more by saying things like that than yeah. in a comic you don't like doing something they think is funny. It's also, you know, like you'll read, I read more tweets about um, how shitty Ridiculous 6 looks than I did tweets about any of the great movies that are coming out. And yeah. none of these people have seen the movie. So that's all I'm saying. If I'm going to make a joke about something, I'd like to have seen it, and then I can confidently say it's really terrible. I got really mad at uh, once I, when the Clone Wars movie came out, the yeah. cartoon one. I saw it like opening morning. I walked down to the theater in Manhattan and, and watched it, and uh, and I was coming out of the theater, and there was a girl there from like a, a YouTube thing. And she was like, did you just see The Clone Wars? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, can I interview you about it? And I said, yeah. And she's like, okay, how bad did it suck? Now, come on. And I go, uh, I go, did you see it yet? And she's like, no. No, of course not. And I was like, so you're going to sit out here, you're going to interview people about a movie that sucks that you never saw? And I go, no, it's fucking cool. You're, you're like, bye. I was a real cunt to her. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway. These it's people. just, you know, and look, I like making jokes, too. Yeah, I mean, these people. Everything can't be the worst or the best, folks. It just can't. And everything's not genius, and everything's not brilliant. you got to learn what these words mean and start using them appropriately. Yeah. Worst, uh, best, brilliant, um, genius. The word amazing needs to be retired. Amazing. Well, now it, like, everyone speaks like these clickbait articles. Like, try, you know, they got to have a really strong opinion so that you... You know, you'll you'll keep listening to them or something. But saying something was the best or worst, they, there really can only be one of those. So don't say that. I agree. Pat, am I disagreeing? You're not. Am I saying no? You're not. I'm telling you the truth, right? You're telling me the truth. Well, that's what the hell I'm talking about now. You know what I mean? When it's like, you, you won't believe these crazy facts we found from the set of Uncle Buck. And you're like, no, I'll believe them. Like it's one, always, of the, one of the facts is that Macaulay Culkin's in it. Yeah, I believe it. I know. I've seen it. Well, the things I hate are like are like you know, ten ways the girl from the Big Bang Theory is a problem. <laughs> you know, and then you read the article, and it's like, yeah, it's like you mean problematic, like for feminism or something. Just in general, yeah, was like okay. a thing I read, and it was literally like. She sent her boyfriend to drug rehab, even though she apparently drinks wine occasionally. <laughs> Hypocritical. It's what? literally shit like that. Why are they attacking her? They attack everybody. What these has are, she done? These are pig people. Yeah. Let me just say this. If you're part of the press, you're probably a pig piece of shit. Nowadays. You may not have always wanted to be, but by now you are. You're most likely a pig piece of shit. That's why Spotlight... Uh, that was sort of my favorite part of it is showing you kind of the last gasp of like true quality journalism because there's no place for it anymore. They yeah. might exist, but those people have been excised because they're not willing to dance for the monkey. We just had a great death on screen just to we mention did. something about this movie in over a 40 minute period. <laughs> uh, husky lady just got a hook through the mouth. Yeah. 
yanked her up into the ceiling. Husky lady. That's a nice eulogy for her, Joe. Well, what are you going to say? I just want them to know who we're talking about. Right. That's something that always bugs me, too. Like, you know, like, you have to say somebody's characteristics if you're going to know who they are. That was a big thing on Curb all the time. Be like, this fat lady, and then it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So what are you supposed to say? What do you mean it was a big thing there's, on Curb? He always had issues with that, too. There, there, if oh, there's 19 people yeah. in a room and one of them is fat, how are you going to single that person out? Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it always bothers me. I never know what to say. I always just feel trapped. Oh, the, you know, the um, the lady uh, um, in the, over in the blue dress? Yeah. The lady over there in the blue dress? It always it was always something I appreciated about. Uh, I remember my friend Turay used to do a joke about it. He would say black people aren't. He was a black comic. He is a black comic. <laughs> he'd say, uh, he'd say black people aren't racist. They're just more honest than white people. Yeah, and he'd be like, you know, because a black dude will be like, D-, you know, hey man, you seen John? 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 The fucking white boy, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> and uh, I always appreciated that, like. The most about like, like start like starting in a black room. Look, I'm like stuttering right now over it. It's like somehow it's going to be race. It's, it's not. I'm saying like a we live. nice thing. Like I was a white guy. I started in a black room, in a black neighborhood, and it was a different culture that I hadn't experienced fully uh, up until that point. And I really enjoyed like the honesty aspect or the candid aspect in the in the dialogue right. that I because I hadn't seen it in the suburbs. It was very. You know, it was very uh, sort of, you know, polite and you and you don't say certain things and whatever. And, you know, that's why I always thought it was weird. Like when I started to do different types of rooms in comedy and started to hear like the arguments about like women uh-huh. or for women and that comedy was unfair to women. Because I found that in the black circuit, the female comics were like the most celebrated. Right. And also they would just be like, go fuck yourself and right. not take any shit, you know. I get that, too. I I also get that, like, you know. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not the kind of person who can be like, go fuck yourself, either. And, like, sure. you shouldn't have to be. If You, you can be funny no, you and, don't like, have to be. kind of quiet and reserved. Yeah, I'm not saying that sexism doesn't exist. I'm just saying it was a, sure, it was a, sure. it was a new thing for me to experience when I got into other types of rooms. Yes. So, anyway. We're at a time now where if I, I go to a party, I almost don't know any topic that is okay to discuss, it feels like. Well, in, like in the Los Feliz area, it's uh, of California. Let the tricky. people know where we are. Los in California, Angeles. yeah. But I always hear people like really arguing about something, and I'm like, "What in God's name are you doing? Like I, we're all do- we're all doing our best, aren't we? And, and is anyone really out to like leave the house and like really get in your face and offend somebody? I don't think so. And this is what happens when you can't discuss real issues or have real debates anymore. You end up drunk at a bar, screaming at somebody about the fourth Indiana Jones movie, because <laughs> it's uh, your your rage is all impacted and it comes out at an inappropriate time. It's the only thing you can fight about anymore. Yeah. It's a shame. It is. It's a shame. The art of conversation. Am I right, Walsh? You are, Joe. But I think we're proving week in and week out that that art is still alive and well. Um, I just saw the timer on the VCR. I mean, on the I, DV- I I heard you. The timer on the DVD player, uh, it's we're at forty the forty five minute mark. <laughs> I mean, I was ready to fall asleep about fifteen <laughs> twenty minutes ago, <laughs> not because of the movie or you. I'm just. I thought we were going to be at, at about ninety minutes. 
I sure. I was just about to say I think we're creeping up on the end here, and uh, <laughs> unless it's an hour long movie, oh. what if it's a two hour movie, Joe? We need more of those. We need more hour long movies. What is this bullshit? Well, I like 90 a, tight, minutes. a tight ninety. Look, I like a tight ninety too, but I'd love an hour. Yeah, well, that that'll never happen. They can't release that. Why? I actually, they'll actually criticize it, like that movie Grandma with Lily Tomlin. They'll be like, they'll criticize the running time. They should have criticized everything else about that movie. Oh! But it was 78 minutes. And they're like, does this even count as a feature film? This is like a pilot for Netflix or something. It's like, well, okay, but movies, no one ever said a movie has to be two hours. I don't know that I could have gone much deeper than 78 minutes with it. Oh, I hated it. By the way, but I didn't hate it. I just was like... I watched. I felt like outside of Lily Tomlin, I was like, nothing, nothing about the movie intrigued me. Yeah, and comedies, you know, and I liked Sam. uh, What's his face? Too. Oh, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. So uh, that's uh, that's what started our Sam Elliott impression. I forgot. Give me a kiss. That's all he wanted. Yeah, and then he. Oh, that's right. Because we started the food thing. Because he goes, I just made some corn. (laughs) You want some corn? (laughs) What an odd. What, what, I, don't, <laughs> I liked it. I liked it, too. Nice but like touch. What, what, <laughs> he was the only one in the movie who felt like an actual person to me. I thought Lily Tomlin was great in it. All right, Joe. I'm not going to sit here and disparage an American institution. I love her. I thought she was annoying as hell in that movie. Well, I think that's kind of the part, the, the point. Yeah. She's not supposed to be a wholly likable character. She's supposed to be somebody that's a little grating. I liked when she was dripping the coffee on the floor, saying, there's your fucking drip coffee, asshole. Yeah, you actually told me about that scene going in, and I hated it. You did? I just hated it. I don't know what to tell you. This guy, by the way, in Black Christmas, is this not Frank Oz? It's not Frank Oz. He's got an Oz quality It looks like Frank Oz. By the way, never saw Andrea Martin so bangable in my life. Really? I would say this is the least attractive she's ever looked. I think she looks super, like, cute, like, alternate chick. Bangable, I guess that was a sort of condescending thing to say. Well, it wasn't great. But SCTV is my, my favorite, favorite. I like when she plays like the the like wild dancing woman. On SCTV? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She looks sexy when she does that. Uh, for my money, I'll tell you, uh, what's her face? Uh, on SCTV. I mean, that's... Catherine as, O'Hara. It's as good as it gets. No question. No question. Could you imagine dating Catherine O'Hara back then? And as f- like be- her being that fucking beautiful and that funny, I I can't. My uh, my former boss Dave Thomas, who was on SCTV, kind of dated her, and I think she kind of dated. Not to imply she was sleeping around, but I think she kind of dated a lot of the people involved with SCTV, and they all just like Martin Short, and then they were all just like, I just I love her. Like no one had anything negative to say about. Her. <laughs> How could you? Had a great time. How could you? She puts them back. I know that much. Does she? Yeah. Really? I love her as the mom in Home Alone. With I mean, we had the I had the exact same hair as the mom in Home Alone when I was <laughs> ten years old. A big, big swoop. She, uh, she's she's a gorgeous woman in that. But Beetlejuice, I always found her. Oh sure. Terribly attractive. Ugh. And I like that she's like kind of demeaning in Beetlejuice. That turns me on. <laughs> this snotty art lady. Yeah. I like that. I think her best acting role, though, is in uh, For Your Consideration. I think she hits Oof. a fucking grand slam in that movie. She's rough in that movie. That's a, that's a rough part and a pretty rough movie. 
it's, it's my she's great. It's probably my least favorite of his, even though I do like it. And she was definitely the strong suit for sure. It's my favorite of the guesties. She was. They talked about uh, nominating her for that. It came up a lot, and I know the reason she didn't is because every actress was like, "That's hitting way too close to home." <laughs> I couldn't believe she didn't get nominated. She was yeah. fucking great in that movie. I can't believe Levy didn't get nominated for Mighty Wind. I thought Eugene Levy was incredible in a Mighty Wind. Yeah, Levy's great. Brought me in to it. tears. Levy's great in, in it. a comedy. He's great in it. That Mitch and when they when they're singing to each other and like yeah, it's rough. He's still in love with her, and they have to do the kiss. Yeah, it's brutal. Oof. It's a brutal film. Uh, but yeah, for your consideration is my favorite uh, Christopher Guest movie, and my favorite Christopher Guest character is probably. I always forget the guy's name. Corky Saint Clair. Waiting for God. no, no. In oh. in it's in it's in uh it's in for your consideration. Uh, really, you like that a lot more than I do. The guy that you know, the guy that plays like the backer, who's and the producer. Yeah, who's like I know who you mean. It wasn't the apple in the tree, yeah. but the pear <laughs> on the ground caused the trouble. I mean, that guy yeah. is so fucking amazing. Yeah. He, he's actually cl- close tie for first place. Other favorite guest character is that guy in Best in Show uh, playing Michael McKeon's boyfriend. Uh, his name is Ch- John Something. Michael Lynch. Something. It's a, oh, David Michael Higgins is his name. Yeah, he is super funny. Yeah, he's funny in the breakup also. He's great in the breakup. He's great in everything. Yeah. Uh, my favorite part in Best in Show is when he's at the deli counter and he says, "Give me that pepperoni stick. I just want to hold it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's incredibly funny in Best in Show. Yeah. My, for me, the funniest is is Guffman, and for me, the best is Mighty Wind. Person. You didn't ask, but I'm telling. I I don't mind hearing it. Uh, I love Guffman. Guffman is a close second place for me. Parker Posey and Guffman. Yeah, she's great. She's great. But I I think Posey is better in Best in Show. I agree with you. But my uh, favorite favorite part is when she's trying to find that busy bee toy for her dog. Yeah, that's. And the guy holds up the black and yellow fish. Right. And she goes, "This is the least like a bee of any of them!" (laughs) Like screams in his face. That adult braces entire sequence gives me anxiety. Yeah, like I can't tell you. Yeah, it's it's makes me so uncomfortable. Fred Willard and Mighty Wind talking about the show he was on. Uh, Fred, hey, what happened? Yeah, Fred Willard and Mighty Wind is fantastic. Fred Willard, Fred Willard and everything is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, to me, his uh, his you know his his shining performance is Guffman. He was uh, well, and the announcer in Best in Show. Announcer Best in Show went after her like she was made out of ham. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, him and O'Hara as as the couple in the uh, the swish swish pantsuits. It's amazing. Yeah. Hey Doc, give her some caramels. Future customer. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. I mean, he's he's so good. He's so fucking good. Uh, I also love in Best in Show where he goes on about the Basset Hound how he wants to put the pipe in its mouth mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the Sherlock Holmes hat as like it's the most original idea that anybody's ever had. Yeah, and then they, they have the perfect straight man who just sits there looking disgusted with him. Just anyway. great, Jane Lynch Best in Show home run. Yeah, her and, and Coolidge, my favorite. And Coolidge, yes. Coolidge is. Uh, when uh, they all say they're going to do a hum in Mighty Wind to honor the guy who died, he's like, I always remember he had the 
the sweetest hum. And I'd like to ask for a, a quick moment where we all just hum in honor of the late, great, whatever his name is. And they all are going, hmm, and humming. And then it goes around to uh, Coolidge, and she's going like, like with her like face contorted like an alien of some kind. Real, real funny. I love it. I love it. Coolidge in for your consideration, similar to her character on uh, Broke Girls. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. Uh, yeah, that very same party with Juliette Lewis uh, about 1.45 in the morning. I'm like, well, it's about time to start winding down. And into the party comes Jennifer Coolidge. She said she was going to take off. I said, no, please stay. Yeah. And we had a Set. nice little Drank like quite a bit of whiskey with bonus her your, hour at the party. Yeah, on your couch. Yeah, a lot of drinking. I'll be honest. I was going to try to put some moves on Coolidge. <laughs> She's a single woman. I, I, I couldn't I couldn't breach it. I was just too nervous. It was making me too nervous. She is just such an incredible delight to be around. I, I had a great time talking to her. I, I loved her. Yeah. I loved her presence. Yeah. She can make, you know... She can make just any line that you have funny. Lines that you don't think are funny, she makes funny. That's uh, that's what uh, that's how Julia Louis Dreyfus got Seinfeld. Did you know that? Uh, well, I've seen all the stuff, so probably. Well, Seinfeld said he wanted her to read for Elaine, and he said he remembered her from SNL, and he said he knew that she could make any. She can. She knew how to deliver any line you gave her. Did you know that Rosie O'Donnell nearly got that role? Of Elaine. Rosie O'Donnell was That's interesting. definitely in the mix. Like, she was down to the final that could have been three. funny. That could have been very funny. Because Larry and her are friends. I think that could have been funny. I think it would have been too much like having two Georges, though. I Oh, Rosie O'Donnell would have ruined the show. It wouldn't have been a hit. Would have ruined it? I'm going to grab a drink. Be right back. Keep talking. I don't think she would have ruined it. I think It wouldn't have been ten seasons. I don't Nine know. Seasons. I mean, it's, but, you know, I think uh, I think they had a nice dynamic with what they went with. But uh, I like a Rosie O'Donnell. Let me, for a moment, as Pat's gone. Pat, take your time. I mean, the guy's leaving the podcast to get a drink. He's stopping and reading things as he leaves the room. My favorite uh, my favorite Rosie O'Donnell film is a little picture called A League of Their Own. I'm sure all of you are familiar with that film. Uh, Tom Cruise, or Tom Cruise. Hey, let's imagine A League of Their Own with Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom Hanks in that movie, it's, it might be the funniest Tom Hanks role ever created. And it's his last, uh, I think, like, it's kind of his last, like, tried and true comedy. After that, he, I think he did Sleepless in Seattle. And and then, like, other than that, he did, uh, you know, he's done some stuff that had humor in it, like The Terminal. But he hasn't, uh, he hasn't done a, an out-and-out comedy since then, and it's just you know, I, I, God, he's so funny in that movie. I want, I want Tom Hanks to do a comedy again, so bad. I'm happy Murray is finally back, kind of doing co- like straight comedy again. Uh, like, what are you referring to? Rock well, the Casbah. Look, I heard it wasn't great, but I'm, gl- I'm just glad that he was kind of back doing a Bill Murray thing again. Like that, you know, he's great in these dramatic <laughs> roles, but I was just happy to see him back doing something like that again. Here's what it is. Uh, even and a Murray Christmas. Like, I appreciate yeah. I didn't like it, but I appreciate it that he was trying to be funny again. Here's the problem. He wasn't trying that hard in a Murray Christmas, which I did kind well, of enjoy. Got nominated but, for but a not fucking in a comedy way. Uh, Emmy, I think. Well, sure it did. Here's what happens, Joe. Here's what's wrong with the entertainment business. These people start 
forgetting about anything else and just focusing on these meaningless awards. They they get all wrapped up in it. They, maybe they got a friend or a couple friends who are like, oh, I'm nominated for a whatever the fuck. And they start thinking, well, I got to get me some of that. So then they abandon their true, pure gifts and start doing things that aren't even in their comfort zone. And they won't stop until they get that Oscar. So they take roles that they shouldn't be doing. I just watched The Big Short, which I liked. Right. I, I thought it was a... So, I saw a review that said it was the movie Wolf of Wall Street wanted to be. Okay. It is such a watered-down version of Wolf of Wall Street. Now, I hated Wolf of Wall Street. Did you? I hated it. Oh, I didn't even know what I to I thought say it was that. just a completely masturbatory, jumbled mess of shit. Like, I, I hated it. I think almost intentionally, because it was about the excess Look, of that I, lifestyle. Look, I appreciated aspects of it, but yeah, I think I've said this before, possibly on this podcast, I don't need a five-minute improv scene where I'm supposed to believe that these economic geniuses are too stupid to understand you're not allowed to throw little people. It's stupid. Like, I'm not saying they didn't have the dwarf throwing contest, sure. but I'm saying like having Jonah Hill sit there like, I heard you just can't look them in the eye because they get angry. It's like, really? Come on, I don't need this shit. Like, come, Give me I, the fucking movie look, I want to see here. I had forgotten about the midget tossing. I'll agree with you on that. But I would have only shaved maybe 20 minutes off of Wolf of Wall Street, and I still would have wanted to see those deleted scenes. I saw that three times in the theater. I'll watch it again. I loved it. My point is, The Big Short was a movie very clearly modeled after Wolf of Wall Street. You know that in the pitch, it was like, this is Wolf of Wall Street about the housing market. Right. So I really hate when I see a review like that where they're like, this is what, you know, come on. All right. Anyway, my point is, Steve Carell is playing a role in this movie that he's not right for. Now, I heard he was great in it. And, well, yeah, p people rave, and they encourage them, and they keep doing it. I don't think he's right for the part. Why I don't think anyone was really right for their part. By the end, I started to like Steve Carell. Um, why don't you think he was right for the part? He just... when I, I can't even really put my finger on it. From the second I saw him, he's wearing, like, a bad toupee. I'm like, you can't have Steve Carell in a bad toupee playing a serious role. Right. You can't do that. Because you're just going to... It's going to you're going to think it's supposed to be funny. Right. So for like 90 minutes of this two-hour movie, I'm just kind of like, it's like a sketch with no jokes. And it's not supposed to be. It's a drama. Right. And then at the end, I kind of started buying his character a little more. I thought Gosling was pretty good in it. It, w it was a solid movie. I liked it. But it's like Will Ferrell doing these indie movies that he'll do. And what it boils down to is we're not going to get these great comedic movies that these people should be making with their prime years. Who am I to tell these people what to do? But like Jim Carrey started doing it immediately. Like I saw Ace Ventura. I was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. This guy is doing things I have never seen before. Right. And within about three years time, he's doing movies, trying to get an Oscar. He's well, doing the, the majestic. The problem is, is it always starts good and then tapers off. Cause nobody would argue that Jim Carrey wasn't brilliant. Yeah. In Man on the Moon, nobody would ever say Steve Carell wasn't brilliant in Foxcatcher. Of oh, of course, nobody. They, would they can get it right, Don't right? Get me but wrong. I'm saying, like, it's to to me, it's like when they keep doing. I think Will Ferrell does a good balance of it, like where it's he'll do like a couple ridiculous movies and then he'll do an indie thing, and I'm like, all right, the guy wants to, you know, you got to cleanse yourself and do the stuff you want to do too. Yeah, um, it's also too. It's and like, he's never bad in those movies. It's just those movies are never that well done. Like they're just never great movies. Yeah, 
But I, I liked him a lot in that movie where he played like the angry guy that was selling all his sh- that had to like live on his lawn or something. Everything must go. Um, it was all right. I mean, but the movie itself wasn't great. But he was good in it. He's fine. I just find myself wishing he'd be funny. And by the way, I wish he'd be funnier in the comedies I go see him in these days too. All it really is is what we were talking about with Crystal Skull. You want these movies to be better than they are, and they're not, and it makes you sad. Well, he's and you been, look for reasons. You go see Get Hard, and it's like, oh uh, yeah. Well, that, I mean, again, these are that's just a bad movie. Yeah, but that's like, uh, like I, yeah, I was really bummed at that new, that one with him and Wahlberg that's coming out. What's it called, Dads or something? Yeah, or stepdad or something. Dad. In any case, or daddy's home. Uh, I'll see it. I was. It I was. Look great. It doesn't. And and I think the other guys is one of the funniest films ever committed to celluloid. I could not disagree more. You're out of your fucking mind. I was so excited to see that. That was when he was still in the pocket. You're I, out of your fucking I mind. I didn't think it was funny at all. I'd like, argue that it might be the funniest Will Ferrell movie. Well, yeah, I'll walk out of this podcast. You, I'll never do it again. I don't even understand how you couldn't think it was Keaton, Farrell, Wall. Everybody hits Coogan. It's like it's like home runs across. You're the talking board. about except from Wahlberg. You're talking about some of my favorite comedic people: Keaton, right. Farrell, Coogan. I didn't think anything was funny. I'll watch it again. I'll try it again. I didn't think anything was funny. You didn't think it was funny when Michael Keaton is addressing the staff at Bed Bath and Beyond, and says, "There's a rapist." On the loose, and then he goes, "I'm sorry, wrong job." You don't. <laughs> I don't remember that. I'll watch it again. All right. Incessantly quoting TLC, TLC through the whole movie. The desk pop thing. I look. I'll watch it. Rob Riggle, Sam Jackson. Didn't remember Sam Jackson. Ice T narrating the film. I mean, it's a, it's a masterpiece. All right. We should watch it again, the two of us. That sounds good. I can't wait. I just me- I remember being like, man, this I mean, I've been 15 minutes without a laugh here. I was, that might have been a case where my expectations were just too high. I was laughing hysterically almost from the beginning of the film. I think my problem is because I I realized as I was talking I I'm a little angrier about this than I even realized, but like Anchorman and Step Brothers, I are I've I've never laughed harder. And it's almost like when you take a drug and then you're chasing that high again. So when I go see a Get Hard or a whatever else, it's it's not just like, ah, that movie sucked. I'm chasing those laughs that, like, blew my mind apart. Like, Step Brothers, I was drunk. Saw it at, like, a midnight show. Me and my buddy were, like, scream laughing. Yeah, Step Brothers is hilarious. Like, you know what's funny out. is I didn't think it was going to be funny when I saw the trailers. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this looks okay. And then when I saw it, I was just like, oh, my God. It's it's honestly just madness. Yeah, I mean, the scene still, Will Ferrell's reaction when Mary Steenburgen's like, you guys need to get jobs, when he just starts <laughs> screaming, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's such unbridled rage. Richard Jenkins, who I love. love Richard, Richard Jenkins, Jenkins should get nominated, speaking of these worthless awards, for Bone Tomahawk, which is a great disturbing horror movie that we should do for this podcast maybe it's a western horror with kurt russell and it has unquestionably the most disturbing death i think i've ever seen on film i can't believe quinn tarantino didn't produce that movie i know i so look i i knew what bone tomahawk was i didn't know i didn't know the death scene was coming when this happens 
And like you know, you know the guy's gonna die here, but you just don't know what's going on. I'm sitting there watching it, kind of head in hand, like I'm enjoying myself. This this was one of the most unsettling things I've ever seen in my life, and I immediately like searched the internet, and there's like eight million tweets of people like, "Holy fuck, just got to this scene in Bone Tomahawk." Like it's <laughs> it messes people up. It's really, really it's really hard to watch this one scene. Now, is it because of what you see or what's implied? It's I mean, you see it. You definitely see it. Really? And then uh, Patton Oswalt was tweeting. He like did a live tweet of the whole movie, and he said he looked away, and he's like he wished he hadn't because what he was hearing was worse because the sounds are pretty graphic. It's just really disgusting. Really? It's intense. They sent it. I'll forward it to you because they sent it as a for your consideration screener. I'm just thinking as a person who's seen so many horror movies, uh, I'm wondering how bad the death could be. I mean, if- It's bad. And maybe now that it's been built up, it won't be. That's what happens. I'd like to see it. Um, Back to the movie. Uh, Step Brothers. We were this talking guy's about. still. <laughs> I always try to go back to Black Christmas for oh, a Black minute. Black Christmas, yeah. Uh, we're down to about one girl at this point uh, is the left final girl. in the film. I don't know if you've been watching, Pat, the cinematography in this film, but I mean, the shots, the, the artistic yes, right. shots and the editing, it's, 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 it, it, it truly is a film. It's hard to believe that the guy that did this made baby geniuses. It is. It Not is. hard to believe that the guy that made this made A Christmas Story. Yeah. The movies people make when they're young and hungry are usually put a lot more care in them than the... Well, you know, I don't think it's just that. I think it's also that when you're yo- a young filmmaker, you're probably working for more independent venues, and, and you're allowed to be a little more expressive, and then you get into that mainstream studio system, mm-hmm. and they say, buy the book, buy the book, and then eventually your spirit's broken, and you just start to crank them out by numbers, you know? Mm-hmm. That is part of what happens with a lot of the actors, like what we were talking about. Like, it's not just that they, it's not just that they uh, get an urge to do a certain type of film or whatever. It's also like you probably they probably just get to a point where they're like, "I'm tired of fighting the battles." Like, yeah. what's the easy w- thing to do? You know? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. Look like every other movie. That being said, I don't think there was one movie drama that Bill Murray was ever in that he wasn't good in. Oh, of course not. Of course not. But it's he just like did that, a ton of them, that's all. Yeah, it's like that first time they dipped their toe in the water. Like, he had made a few dramatic things before, but, like, Lost in Translation, I went and saw that, and I was like, boy, that's what a perfect use of him. But that's somebody who wrote that movie for him. If it's, like, a part that was going to be played by Christian Bale and then Pauly Shore takes over, that's not going to work. Sure. Yeah. Well, and that that's something that happens every day in this town. <laughs> Well, I say, I mean, Christian Bale and Steve Carell were in this thing, but and I know these people are talented actors. And Carell, like Carell, to me, gave a better dramatic performance in Forty Year Old Virgin, and a comedic performance. He did a, did it all in that fucking movie and The Office. He was an amazing dramatic and comedic performer. But I think it's got to be a character. Like Foxcatcher was definitely a character. If it's just them playing an everyman, you're just kind of annoyed that they're not being funny. I uh, I look forward to watching the big short. I have the screener in the other room, and I'm going to watch it. But because uh, I I heard quite the contrary from uh, a friend of ours, uh, she said that he was who brilliant. Who? Uh, our good friend Karen Kilgariff. She said he was brilliant. Saying uh, Steve Carell high praises. That was the that was the name she mentioned. I said I didn't watch the big short yet. She goes, Oh my God, you have to. Steve Carell is is amazing in it. And then she said. I just wish I hadn't watched it alone because she said it was kind of depressing. It was like watching this thing about like the crash of the housing market. 
I love Karen. She's maybe making me reconsider. But I will. For me, I see him walk on the screen in a toupee. I'm like, start making me laugh. Right now, are you buying Andrea Martin in this movie? Yes. Very By the end of the Big part. Short, I had come around to his character for sure. This is a very big, dramatic part for Andrea Martin. Nothing funny in this thing. She's not doing. She's a, not quipping. Not doing a Greek accent or anything like that. <laughs> Are you excited for my big fat Greek wedding too? Uh, I wouldn't say excited, but I, like I guess everyone else in the world, thought the first one was pretty cute, kind of funny. Right. I love that scene when he's uh, the phone. He's talking on the phone and it yanks back and he falls over. It made, it made me laugh. Her. Hard she does something. that. She does that. Yeah, she's on the headset and she she yeah. runs and falls back. That was funny. Kevin Smith. I love Clerks too, but it's an almost exact mimic. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if it's supposed to be a nod or if you just didn't no, realize they not. did this in my big, fat Greek wedding. I liked it. I'm really excited for Clerks 3. I need to see Jason Mewes back in action. <laughs> Again, I wouldn't say really excited, but I found Clerks 2 to be like a, a real nice surprise. I really like Clerks 2. The bonus footage on Clerk of Clerks 2 is stuff that I'm like, why did they cut this out of the... Yeah. Why did they cut this out of the movie? Uh, again, it's a, it's a two-hour comedy. You can't have much. No, but they had, like, alt scenes. Yeah. There's a whole thing, like, in the beginning with Jay and Silent Bob where Jay starts doing uh, The Shining. Mm-hmm. And he's going red rum with his finger. And he goes, look at that, Silent Bob. I'm your little friend that lives in your mouth. And then he holds his fist up and says, I bet you'd love me to live in your mouth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It was a lot like the first one, where right. he's like, tell Silent Bob he's going to suck his dick, and then he calls him a queer immediately. Right. It's just funny. Yeah. It's a crazy way to behave with another man. Yeah. I, agree. I And I believe that those characters are gay deep down. Oh, sure. Do you believe that? Sure. Where is Clerks 3, what is the deal? What is it about? Kevin Smith has referred to it as the empire of the Clerks franchise. Okay. Apparently it's pretty epic. Apparently it's pretty dark, uh, and it's supposed to get made. Uh, Miramax passed on it, or I don't know if Miramax or Weinstein Company, but it was passed on, and so then it, oh, you know, fuck them. Which I don't fuck get. Them. Here's what I don't get. He's making. He it. was as much a part of making that studio as anybody. Right. Fuck them for doing that. And he's he's making it, but what I don't get is he somehow got funding. For the, uh, for the 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 um, Tusk trilogy and Mallrats two, they're not doing a Tusk trilogy, are they? They're doing two more movies with the oh. Johnny Depp character. I'm excited. That about can't it. be true. It's absolutely true. They just finished shooting the one. But it, everyone hated the Johnny Depp character. Apparently not. I love the Johnny Depp. That's character. madness. Here's so he, my. He doesn't care anymore, Johnny Depp. Here's my point: is they're doing three movies. In that series, and then he's doing he Mallrats two is like shooting already. Is that all the same characters still hanging? At They're the mall? all coming back. It's called Mallrats. Well, I think it's going to be about them bringing their kids to the mall. My Af- thi- Affleck. I uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I think Mallrats is pretty fucking funny. I love Mallrats, but it, it's called Mallrats. My my theory is it's going to be the uh, characters from the original bringing their kids to the mall. And there being some kind of conflict with shitty mall kids. But Jay and Silent Bob, of course, will still just be hanging out at the mall. Right. Okay. But how did that get funding before Clerks 3? Well, I guess they have a... They can point to 
Clerks 2 not doing very well, but they can also point to Mallrats not doing very well in his prime. No. It's just follow-up. I don't know. I just... This crazy mixed-up world we live in. I'm now scared that I quoted the joke where Jay says queer in the... in in You're uh, fine. In a, I almost called it talk show. <laughs> You're fine. In Clerks. I couldn't remember the name Clerks. Thought it was called talk show for a second. Now, a quick uh, little subject, uh, going back to Step Brothers for one second. Tom Sharpling, who I love and listen to his podcast every week three hours the best show i don't know why i keep promoting it on here but he was talking about scenes in movies that make him and only him cry and it was a kind of interesting conversation topic but he said when peewee who is deathly afraid of snakes goes back into the pet shop he saves all the animals and then he goes back into the pet shop to save the snakes and runs out holding them screaming it makes him like break down and sob every time i thought it was kind of fascinating and then he said at the end of Step Brothers, when Will Ferrell is singing that song, <laughs> right? he said he sobs every time. And like his wife came in and caught him sobbing. And That's an odd thing to sob at. I mean, it's supposed it is a, to be a beautiful absurd, song. But yeah, but it's supposed to be absurd. There is a lot of like kind of sadness and anger undercurrent in Step Brothers. And maybe that's bringing it out of him. But I was like, those are really weird choices. And I was trying to think if I had any like that. You know what part makes me a little a little misty? Why? Oh, and uh, hope it, you'll tell us. In old school, okay. In old school, after the funeral, when his wife says she wants the divorce, mm-hmm. and Will Ferrell goes, "Keep on trucking," and mm-hmm. walks away. I I used to argue with people about that, where they would be like, "That's hilarious," and I was like, "That's not supposed to be funny." Yeah, that's supposed to be a guy that like doesn't know how to express himself. Yes, quoting a cheesy song <laughs> like that, he doesn't know what to say. Yeah, when those movies, which I think especially the McKay ones and the early Todd Armstrong ones, Scott Armstrong, sorry, when they, Jesus Christ, what am I trying to say? Scott Armstrong wrote, co-wrote them, Old School and Hangover and all that shit, Todd Phillips, Jesus Christ. Who I always mix up with Todd Salons. (laughs) Don't make that mistake at the video store. Uh, uh, They all... Uh, have a, I think, a very smart, dark undercurrent to them, kind of uh, treating these characters not as heroes but as kind of pathetic. And well, there's the that, great deleted that moment scene. I completely agree with. There's the great deleted scene from old school, which is very edgy, and I'm surprised that. I mean, I think it's probably not in the movie for that reason, but there's the scene where it's it's on the, the bonus features where Luke Wilson goes to. Vince Vaughn's store, and he's in a panic mm-hmm. because he's fucked his boss's daughter. Mm-hmm. And he's like, she's in high school. I could go to jail. And mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn says, for what, being awesome? It's <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. a really edgy joke, mm-hmm. and that's dark. I thought that was in the movie, but maybe it's not. No, there's a, there's a, jo- uh, there's a similar joke in The Breakup, I think. Okay. Where Vince Vaughn's younger brother... In that, yeah. he's like the real Coxman guy. Yes. He's like the real pussy hound. Right, right, right. And he goes, you're going to get arrested. And and the guy goes, arrested for what, babe? Being awesome? I yeah. think that's in the breakup, I'm pretty sure. They just moved it over. Uh, I would say, although Royal Tenenbaums is a movie with a lot of darkness and drama and sadness in it, but I kind of embarrass myself uh, crying at Royal Tenenbaums in high school, and Ben Stiller just says one quick line. 
like the suicide attempt, nothing made me cry in the entire movie. And then at the end, Hackman goes over to Ben Stiller, and he's like, "It's been it's been a rough year, Dad." Just yeah. like a, tosses it away. Yeah, no, that's brutal. Year. His wife's dead and everything. I was bawling at that. Well, it's the first time, if I remember correctly, that the Stiller character and the Hackman character show vulnerability. Yeah, and it's like the you know the understatement of the year. It's it's been a rough year. Yeah, it's it's Love uh, that stuff. Yeah, it's it's brutal. It's brutal. Uh, what gets me is always in grumpy old men. After Jack Lemon has the heart attack, and yeah. uh, 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 Walter Matthau finds him, gets him to the hospital, and then goes in to see him, and they say family or friend, and he doesn't know how to answer it. Yeah, and he starts crying, and he says friend. Yeah. Very, very sad. Yeah. Had to watch that movie with my folks. Had to get up and pretend to blow my nose. <laughs> I got I've wispy right now just saying it. I've been there. The guy almost choked me up a little. Um, yeah, if you sprinkle those moments into a comedy, sometimes they even hit harder. Like, what will never make me cry is when you're just begging me to cry. And the violins are playing and everybody's acting their asses off. That will never make me cry. It's always got to be like a small little... I'll tell you. Moment. I'll tell you a final scene in something that'll that'll get you right in the gut is that Danny Collins movie. I'm excited to watch it. Final scene. If that doesn't get you, you're not a human being, as far as I'm concerned. All right. I'm excited you know, to say it. We, as we've discussed about planes, trains, and automobiles, private sure. prior. Sure. You're not a human if you don't cry at that. I also can't cry in a movie unless I like truly and deeply love the characters, and that's very hard for me in a movie. I often am like. I don't give a shit about these people and their pathetic problems. Now, have you ever cried at a horror movie? At a horror movie? I would... S- Ooh... No, I don't think so. For any reason. Any emotion. I don't think so. I mean, uh, no. Poltergeist, when she's really excited, when she feels her daughter go through her, that may be the closest I, I've come to. When she like knows she's still alive because she rushes through her body. Oh, yeah, that part. That's pretty emotional. Yeah. But no, have you? Not that I can think of. Okay. No, it's been mostly dramas, a couple comedies here and there. You know, I think I've mentioned it before. The end of The Untouchables always gets me when Sean Connery dies. Yeah. That's a brutal scene. But it's worth the brutalness of that scene for the awesomeness of the scene when uh, Kevin Costner throws Frank Nitty off the roof. Mm Mm-hmm. And he goes, did he sound anything like that? Yeah, I think we have talked about that. Probably. I just got chills. <laughs> it's a great it's a great scene. My friend once said the Untouchables is the only movie to ever make Kevin Costner look like a badass. Yeah, we definitely have discussed this on here. On here or just yeah, in on life? Here, on here. Pat, I got to tell you, I need to close my eyes for a few minutes here. <laughs> uh, it's, it's 1 p.m. I didn't sleep very well last night. All right. Well, we only have 15 minutes to go. How do you know it's 15 minutes? I checked the running time when I got up when you scolded me for not moving fast enough. <laughs> uh, maybe I go get a drink now. All right, go ahead. And you take the helm. I mean, Pat goes in. Folks, for those of you at home that can't see us right now, Pat is two brewskis and a Tootsie Roll pop deep. <laughs> I'm off work, baby. It's the holiday season. Now, you you work tomorrow. Tomorrow's my last day, and then I'm off for like three weeks. Three weeks. I've been off on script all week, relaxing, getting her done. You go in tomorrow, you shoot 
You're not shooting your script tomorrow. No, nope. different script. Then a little holiday party at work, and then I am a dumb for three weeks. Yeah, going to Missouri, going to Vegas with the lady for New Year's. Uh, I saw our good friend Ian, yep. and uh, I said, what are you doing for New Year's? He said, a dinner thing. He said, what's Walsh doing? I said, he's going to fucking Vegas. Yeah. I said, I, I can't. I, I'm broken up about that. I Sorry. wish I could see the guy. He said, why don't you go to Vegas? I said, it's him and the lady. I don't, I'm not going to Vegas. Well, if you bring a date, you can come, but you can't tag along. <sighs> Does my friend Jesse Pop count as a date? <laughs> Jesse Pop is probably the least date-like of any of your friends. <laughs> I love Jess. Uh, well, our buddies Jesse, Vince, and Georgia are going to Vegas for Christmas. Yeah. Which is a ballsy move. I really respect that. I love it. I don't know if it'll be dead or crowded, but it's, it'll definitely be fun. Uh, Vince has me excited. I wasn't supposed to be back till after New Year's, but I'm now coming back on the 27th. Vince has me very excited about how easy it is to drive around the city the oh, week of Christmas. Sure. He said you can get to the west side in 20 minutes flat, down, right down to the beach. You're coming back early to enjoy the driving? No, I'm just coming back early now because I'm moving. Oh, okay. But I'm, and I'm excited that a perk of coming back early will be no traffic. Right. You know, got to get some nice Amoeba Records runs in that week. Sure. Some Christmas deals. No, I won't. I'm going to get Christmas movies <laughs> for Christmas. I don't. Need, why do I need to buy things? I'm really part of this consumer culture. I get really annoyed now when I go home. I'm just kind of at this age. I never thought about it with my aunts and uncles, but you get to this age. I'm 34. I am just not given any gifts by anyone. They're all like, you're okay. Like, you know, the older people are like, he doesn't need a gift. He's 34 years old. Sure. The kids don't have any money to buy me gifts. Sure. I get gifts from my girlfriend, and that's essentially it. We do an exchange at work. Parents don't give you gifts? Parents tend to go like cash, or you know, like my dad will give me like a photo album or something. But Oof. last year I go home, and or maybe it was two years ago. So my dad's remarried. So Christmas Eve I got to go over and spend Christmas Eve with my dad, his wife, and all of her children and their family. So it's no one I know at all. And like, there she's technically my stepmom, and they're technically my step brothers and sisters, I guess. But I'm never there and i have hung out with them like twice in my life so they're essentially strangers and i spend christmas eve just like sitting with people i don't know I nice people showered you with gifts nice people funny people is this where that's going no believe it or not it's not joe oh, okay so i'm coming home they're like we're gonna meet our our prodigal son here and i come home and they do this giant gift exchange i bet there's 800 packages in the middle of this floor and that they go around and somebody's playing santa handing out the gifts and I don't receive a single gift from anyone. And I'm like, all right, I guess you just kind of got to accept that, you know. So wait, your mom fine. bought presents for the stepkids but not for you? My mom's not, not there. Your dad? My dad had presents for them. I, he had probably, you know, sent me a check for $100, like in a, in a Christmas card. So I'm sitting there and I'm not getting any gifts, but I'm like, that's all right, it's fine. And then out comes a wagon full of gifts for the dogs. <laughs> a wagon of gifts for the dogs. I was like, well, okay, I guess I see where I stand. Oh, God. It's fine. I truly would not have complained. I would have been like, oh, it's kind of a bummer that everyone's going to unwrap gifts for an hour and a half and I won't have one until I saw the dogs, the haul for the dogs. Oh, I almost God. asked if I could open one for the dogs. Just to kind of have the little thrill. 
Jesus Christ. By the end of the night, I was six eggnogs deep fighting one of the golden retrievers for a bone. <laughs> now, do you get drunk on a night like that, or do you keep it clean? I can't. I'm not really allowed to with my dad is, is a little weird about drinking. He just told me he celebrated 30 years sober this weekend. Congratulations. I'm sure he's not listening to it. Um, but, you know, uh, I don't. The past few years, my sister and I will definitely go to a bar down the street and slam a couple before we head in. I can't believe just before you head in and you don't go back to the bar later. No, I mean, look, I could I could pocket a, a whiskey or something in my pocket. It's just kind of like you don't want to go up and like hug your new stepmom who you see once a year and your breath reeks of whiskey or something. You know? No, I'm saying you, you slam a few before you go in. Then yeah. you do your time, and then you go back to the bar with your sister at the end. Oh, to yeah, kind of close out it. the night. Uh, we just want to get home and get it over. Also, you have to drive everywhere and snow and ice. Sounds like a now, I, we, everyone gets real drunk on Christmas Day. My mom's side of the family are big drinkers, so that's great. I never drink with my family. I never feel right doing it. I tell you, I'm glad my my dad sobered up, but I wish if he still drank. The, the stuff we could get off our chest. Me and my mom never had any problems, really, at all. But now when we connect over, like, a couple couple beers or whatever, I find out some things about my childhood just blow my mind. I'm like, holy shit, why did you never tell me this? Now, did you, now, do you, do you, do your mom, does your mom give you presents? Uh, my mom, too, is always like, you know, if they give me something big, I have to carry it back in my suitcase. So she's like, you know, I hate to just give you cash, but is that okay? And then they'll give me something nice, usually, like a little. My mom and her husband will give me a little something to unwrap. Can I tell you what my mommy and daddy do? Yeah. Go to my Amazon wish list. Oh. Just run right down that thing. That's nice. And then they ship it all to me after. They let That's me great. open it on Christmas Day, and then they ship it all to me. Well, do you have the Amazon wish list just like as a Christmas list? I just make a wish list through the year for things I want that I okay. eventually buy or don't buy. Right. Come Christmas time, I say peep the wish list. That's not a bad idea. My mom's gone as far as, me, as to say, give me more stuff. Right. There's not enough on here. That's that's great. Sorry, buddy. It's fine, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's all right. I mostly look forward to seeing my friends, but like I don't. I've never had the kind of friends that necessarily give christmas gifts you know i for me the gift is you don't have to go buy a gift you know like who wants to run around buying more shit on christmas well i'm thankful i don't have to do that for everybody in my life but i i exchange gifts with uh my friend jim who you've met yeah and then we do then he and i and three of our other friends have have a big uh the night before christmas eve have a big party night together right so uh, on that night, um, we do a like a Pollyanna thing where you get Pollyanna. one. Not Pollyanna. But you you buy for one person, right? Like a white elephant, or just it's just like you you, you every you know this year I have oh, yeah. this guy and he has this guy and you know whatever. So uh, we uh, so those are that's two people and then I exchange with my manager. That's three and then I do my parents. It's and then my niece and my nephew. It's not crazy. It's just it's enough. Not. I have some friends I do it with. Um, our work secret Santa exchange. When I first started this job, our boss there. Our bosses were multimillionaires. They'd be like, 
So yeah, everyone just get a gift that's like, uh, what do you want to say, 500 bucks? Oh my God. And we did that. The lowest person, the person who, on the the lowest person on the on the ladder, the staff writer on the show, as well as the showrunner, everyone's gift was five hundred dollars. Five hundred dollars. Yeah, that's it's insane. Crazy. This year it's two fifty. It's gone way down. But like, and then the idea is like, okay, if we're all doing this, y'all better bring in some good fucking gifts because I want it to be like I spent five hundred dollars on myself. And for the most part, everybody brought in some really awesome shit. And like, we did this thing where you could trade your, you, you know, you swap the gift if you want somebody else's and stuff like that. Well, what, like, what, was, what were the gifts? Um, my gift, which was kind of considered the highlight that year, was I had a full bar, all, every single kind of alcohol you could ever imagine, um, bottle of Dom Perignon in there for New Year's Eve couple of weed candies in the mix just like a, a bu- I, it was a, a bar and i wound up getting it myself i eventually was like i like my gift better than anyone else and i stole <laughs> it back and i had a beautiful bar that lasted me the entire year wow that's a good gift uh another year i got the top five books of the year the top five albums of the year the top five dvds of the year you know right i like to have a nice little theme this year I have roughly 24 hours to buy a gift, and I don't have anything yet, so I need to get on it. You know what I would do? What? If it was still the $500 one, PS4, couple of games. People, yeah, people brought game systems in, stuff like that. That's just never, I know I don't need another thing sucking my time, or else I would have definitely taken that. But what about another thing sucking your dick? I could always use that. Oh. <sighs> uh, Man, we have not talked about this movie one bit. <laughs> And it's pro- but it's, we're talking about Christmas, and that's fun. This is fun. arguably one of the best movies we've done on the podcast, and we haven't watched it. I just missed who the killer is. I'm going to bring it home and watch it. I think the killer is the guy that bashes piano earlier. I, I don't remember the movie that well. I only saw it once. I'm going to watch it. Uh, what can you think of the $250 that I should buy for this exchange? Well, let me think for a second. 250 I'd go get that new Nintendo 3DS that just came out. Well, it's just it's a adult heavy staff, you know. Yeah, but I mean, they have kids. It's it's the new 3DS. It's the it's the best one they've released. So if I go get that and some some fun games for it, how much is the system? Two hundred. I think the system itself is like a buck seventy. Oh wow! Okay. And then you can you stack a f- two three games on top of that. You got a nice two fifty dollar little gift basket there. All right, maybe I'll do that. So I would do that. I would do. Uh, I would go to Amoeba, do like some like classic box sets. That's as I sit here idea. looking at the Vel- Velvet Underground box that I have, you know, yeah. some stuff that contains rarities. Maybe just... maybe that Beatles album box set that you have. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. One. That's pretty awesome. Uh, it's just you can't know what. Um, like the, it's a very wide-ranging and diverse group with different interests. It's hard to pick. Well, that's why you can swap things. That's true. Look, I'll tell you this. I'm not a Beatles. I'm probably the least Beatles fan in the world. If I got that box set, I'd be pretty fucking happy about it. I tell you, it makes those songs you've heard a billion times sound like completely new things. You know, it's really awesome. I don't know one Beatles album. I don't give a shit about. I have, I have Sergeant Pepper's on vinyl by like accident. Right. So my point is, is like that's that's a cool fucking gift, no matter what. Yeah. So. That was more than two fifty. How much was it? I think it was three. I I, bet, I've been known to go a little over. I like. To go I bet you over. can get that at Amoeba for just under three. Um, one year, this is how how it can go wrong. 
the gifts that were flying around were like uh, you know, the bar thing and the game systems, all kinds of different shit. And uh, Morgan Murphy, my coworker, who you know as well, she brought in as her gift, and she was so excited about it, and I get it, but she brought in a $500 giant antique map of the world that would cover easily the an entire wall of someone's home. Okay. And everyone that got it was just like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> People were so angry with her. What the like, hell would you do with that? It's like, that's all anyone was saying. What are we going to do with this, Morgan? Like People were so angry with her. And she was so hurt, and I get it. She thought, I've got this really cool gift. And they just shut her down. You can't. It's too much real estate. You can't. You can't give somebody something that has to cover the entire wall. I agree. That's insane. I agree. Sorry, Morgan. I love you, but that's not a. That's a bad gift choice. And then but we were like, "Was in the right like, place." You take it. And she's like, well, "I would love to have that." And everybody's like, "Please take it." Did so, she take it? No. She didn't take it. No. Who who got stuck? She with didn't it? want it. I don't even remember. Wait, is the killer? I guess the killer's still at large. It's going to be the killer's still alive, even though you think everything's okay. Joe, I wish you could have seen my Christmas tree this year. It looks beautiful. Got it all set up. <clears throat> I didn't even set up a tree this year because I'm leaving so early. I leave tomorrow. Get it. Ours will be dead when we come back, probably. Yeah. House burned to the ground. Tremendous fire hazard. <laughs> uh I, uh, I, I, I'm trying to think of another good, uh, I had a, I had one more idea for you for your Pollyanna and I forget what it is. Already. I've never heard it called a Pollyanna in all my, all my life. Secret Santa, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Well, Secret Santa makes sense. Pollyanna <laughs> does not. That's the difference. Well, Pollyanna is the thing where you, it, that, what you're doing is a Pollyanna. Everybody buys a gift. And then you get a gift, and you pick numbers or whatever. Right. And then you get a gift, and you can change it for the next number if you don't like it, or you know. That's that's Pollyanna. Okay. You know, sorry to break it to you. Do you think the killer's in the attic with this forty-five second stagnant shot on I the can't attic? Can't believe how long they're staying on the shot. It's uh. So what's happening? Well, I mean, I remember it being pretty cool, but, you know, we paid such little goddamn attention. The killer's still alive. It's me, Billy. Hey, I'll watch tonight, and then I'll give you guys my cell number, and we can talk about the movie afterwards. I'm embarrassed at how little we've discussed <laughs> the film. I think, especially from kind of interacting with people online, I don't know that they care. Neither do I, which is but the folks, reason I'm not sweating. again, because I asked last week, too, if you're annoyed that we're not doing these along with, like, a movie on Netflix or whatever, let us know. Like, if you watch along with us and that was fun for you, let us know. But no one has come forward and said they're doing that. I think people just kind of treat it like a regular podcast. Yeah. Certainly all are. my friends that listen to it do it that way. People said we could announce. Somebody said we could announce what movie we're going to do next. That's a good idea. So that way the person can go buy the DVD if they want. Yeah. We don't know right now, unfortunately, but that is a good idea. Maybe that's a thing we'll start in the new year. I like it. You know? I like it. And it's about to be 2016, Pat, as sure the credits is. roll here. As the credits roll on 2015. We thank you for joining us for another episode of We'll See You in Hell. Podcast, as always, brought to you by the Fangoria Podcast Network. Uh, it's produced by Thomas DeFeo. Executive produced by Ken Hanley of Fangoria Entertainment. 
for press opportunities, advertising, inquiries, and information about We'll See You in Hell, contact Ken at Fangoria.com. Uh, this will probably drop, I'm not. I'm assuming, pretty close Christmas to the, the week. Day. Yeah. So if you're a Christmas celebrator, Merry Christmas. And uh, if you're not, happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah, happy whatever it may be. Uh, I am at the Patrick Walsh, Twitter by Instagram. Joe is at Joe DeRosa Comedy. Um, and uh, I just I hope you all have a great holiday. Have a great holiday. And if you're in California, I'll be touring the uh, northern cities, San Fran and whatnot, in January. So uh, keep an eye out for that. We'll see you next time.